You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to the Useless Information Podcast, my collection of fascinating true stories from the flip side of history. My name is Steve Silverman, and today's story is titled, Dead Ringers. But before we do that, let's start with today's question of the day. And the subject of today's question of the day is in the world of mathematics. Now, don't worry, I won't hit you with a complex equation to solve. This is just some simple math trivia. The question is, which mathematical symbol did Robert Record use for the first time in 1557? That's Robert Record in 1557. Was it one, the equal sign? Two, the plus sign for addition? Three, the minus sign for subtraction? Four, the cross or X symbol for multiplication? Or five, the obelisk? Most people don't know that it's, that's what it's called, but that's the line with a dot above and below. The obelisk for division. Again, which mathematical symbol did Robert Record use for the first time in 1557? Was it 1, the equal sign, 2, the plus sign, 3, the minus sign, 4, the cross symbol for multiplication, or 5, the obelisk for division? And as always, I'll let you ponder over this question until the end of this podcast, and then I'll let you know the answer. And now for today's story that I've titled, dead ringers. Now, I'm sure that you've heard that everyone has a twin out there, you know, somewhere, someplace, someone who looks just like you. Now, for those old enough to remember, think Carol Burnett and Vicki Lawrence. And you know, ABC News anchor uh, George Stephanopoulos, I've been stopped several times by people thinking that I look just like him. Now, to be honest, I have no clue if I do look like him, but I can tell you this, I am the better looking two of the two of us, that's at least in my wife's eyes. Today's story is somewhat similar, but it does have a bit of a, you know, a twist to it. It's another story of two men that look so incredibly similar that they were dead ringers for one another. Now, the first character in our story is a man named Lawrence Joseph Bader. He was a 30-year-old salesman for the stainless steel division of Reynolds Metals. He was the son of a prominent dentist, and Larry was the typical husband in the typical 1950s household. You know, he was happily married with three children that he just adored. He had a wife, Mary Lou, and she was pregnant with their fourth child. They had a $17,000 mortgage on their Akron, Ohio home, which was actually quite affordable on his $10,000 per year salary. But this ideal 1950s life was all about to change. 
You see, on the morning of May 15th of 1957, Larry told his wife that he had to deal with some bad checks from some business transactions and that he was probably going to go fishing after that. Being an avid sportsman, Larry rented a boat from a livery on the Rocky River near Cleveland and he left the dock around 4.30 p.m. Now, storm warnings were up at the time, but the water was calm. You see, Larry had planned on being out on the boat for about two hours, and the storm wasn't predicted for another three. You know, so he was certain that he could get back safely in time. Sadly, he did not return. The next morning, his boat was found washed up on the rocks at nearby Perkins Beach. The Coast Guard did search, but they never found his body, and they said that the water had been so rough that there was no way that the young husband could have survived. Five years later, Larry was declared legally dead by the judge who was presiding over the case. Now, the second character in our story was the complete, complete opposite of the late Larry Bader. His name was John Francis Johnson, and he worked for KETV in Omaha, Nebraska as their sports director. He was popular and incredibly flamboyant, and he was simply known to the public as Fritz. He never, ever used his last name. And Fritz really was a bit of an odd duck. He was well known around town for owning a hearse, uh, and he had outfitted that hearse with a coffee table, a bar, and pillows. He actually took women out on dates in the hearse. Now, it had been long rumored that he'd been using this hearse for gambling, but when the police raided it, they found absolutely no conclusive evidence. And instead of placing the actual date on checks that he wrote, he simply put winter, spring, summer, or fall. And I won't uh, sing the song there. Anyway, Fritz even spent one month perched on top of a flagpole, and that was in an effort to raise funds for polio. Fritz was also known to be a social butterfly and had the reputation of being quite the ladies' man. But in fact, he was happily married. On April 11th of 1962, he married a former model named Nancy Johnson. They had two children, one that was conceived during their marriage and a second that Nancy had from a previous marriage and he adopted. And there was a big age difference between the couple. He was 36 and she was 22 when they tied the knot. One other thing that Fritz had going for him was that he was the Nebraska State Freestyle Archery Champion. He had successfully defended the title 12 times, one of them just three short months after having an eye surgically removed, and that was due to a cancerous tumor that was lying behind it. In fact, Fritz was so good that the Sanders Archery Company of Columbus, Nebraska, sent him in February of 1965 to Chicago's McCormick Place to demonstrate the firm's new archery equipment at a sports show. And this is where the lives of the late Larry Bader and sportscaster Fritz crossed. A man from Akron was visiting the show and did a double take. He froze in place. He said that Fritz was the spitting image of his late friend Larry Bader. In fact, he could pass for his body double. So could Fritz and Larry Bader be one and the same man? Well, just quite possibly since, get this... Larry Bader was also a championship archer. The friend, whose name was never revealed in the press, 
then called two of Larry's brothers and told them what he had observed. He then went up to Fritz and told him of this amazing coincidence. Fritz was incredibly cooperative. He said that he had no idea who Larry Bader was, and he even agreed to be fingerprinted and to meet the two Bader brothers in person just to confirm this. And that is exactly what happened. Both the Omaha and Chicago police took Fritz's fingerprints and they sent them off to the FBI. There they were compared to a set of fingerprints that the late Larry Bader had made years before while he was in the U.S. Navy. And as you probably guessed, bingo, they were an exact match. The late family man Larry Bader and the sportscaster Fritz were in fact one and the same man. And those matching fingerprints were good enough to make this story capture national headlines in early February of 1965. Yet, Fritz still continued to maintain that he had no recollection of his previous life as Larry Bader. He had no clue who his first wife was. He had no memory of his first three children. He had no recognition of his own mother. Nothing. Nada. Not that people didn't try to get him to change his story. His two brothers tried to catch him in a lie with trick questions, but they couldn't, so they became convinced that his prior memory was totally wiped out. He also spent a week undergoing tests in an Omaha hospital, which included so-called, get this, medicated hypnosis, uh, and the doctors concluded that he really didn't have any knowledge of his former life in Akron. While some suspected that the cancerous tumor or maybe the boat accident may have had something to, you know, to do with this case of amnesia, the doctors could find no medical reason for this loss of memory. Once the press got involved, the pieces of the story started to come together rather quickly. It turns out that seven days before his supposed drowning, Larry Bader had taken out a $7,000 life insurance policy with double indemnity. It was also learned that he had not paid any income taxes in the five years prior to the accident. He owed $3,789. That's about $30,000 in today's funds. Uh, You know, his family did pay this off after he died, but isn't this very, very suspicious? Then, three days after the boating accident, he made his first appearance as Fritz Johnson. That was at the Round Table Bar in Omaha. He was incredibly well-dressed, and he even had the nerve to ask the girl behind the bar out on a date. Shortly after that, he was working as a bartender in Ross's Steakhouse, and that's when a radio executive heard his voice and suggested that he try out for an opening at KBON Radio. And from there, of course, was on to the TV gig, and he enjoyed this new life as Fritz Johnson for as long as he could. That was for seven years and nine months. And, as you can probably imagine, Fritz was tangled up in an incredible web of legal problems. First, he was married to two different women at the same exact time. Second, he wasn't providing child support to those first four children. And even worse, since he was considered to be dead, his first wife received $39,500. That's over $300,000 today in life insurance. 
She also got $254 per month in Social Security death benefits and $125 per month as a Navy widow. So, an Akron judge brought Larry Bader back to life on February 19th of 1966 by ruling that he was legally alive and he was still married to his first wife. And now that her husband was alive, would all that money have to be paid back? That was the big question. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have to say that Fritz handled this whole situation quite honorably. First, he promised not to divorce his first wife and that he was going to figure out a way to support her and the four kids. Under Nebraska law, since he was married before, his second marriage was automatically considered void. As if things couldn't get worse, the sponsors did not want to have their businesses associated with him in any way, so Fritz was forced to leave his job at the TV station. As a result, Fritz went back to work as the head day bartender at Ross's Steakhouse. That's basically where he started out, and he continued to do radio announcing in the evenings and on weekends. He sent $50 per week back to his first family in Akron, and the court ordered that he had to provide $20 per week for his new second family. With no place to live, he was forced to move into the local YMCA. Now, Fritz did visit his second wife and children daily. He said that he was still morally married to Nancy, even if the law said that he wasn't. Fritz was unable to support them, so Nancy became a reservation clerk at United Airlines. And this sudden fame brought her hundreds of letters of support, which included nine marriage proposals. But Larry was in far worse trouble than anything that the law could throw at him. About a year after this whole mess started to unravel, he learned that he was suffering from terminal liver cancer. He died on September 16th of 1966, and he was still denying any knowledge of that previous life. Larry Bader, a.k.a. Fritz Johnson, was just 39 years old. Useless? Useful? I'll leave that for you to decide. And now for a few words from our retro sponsor. Oh, oh, oh. Guard against triple O. Let's listen as a man talks to his druggist. Can you give me really effective protection against triple O? Odors of breath, odors of body, and odor of fence. I've never found any old-fashioned deodorant that could take care of all three. Yes, M's chlorophyll tablets stop all three at the same time. Stop triple O. It's the new safe and pleasant way to stay fresh as a daisy all over, all day long. But how about these cheaper chewing gum or candy products? They contain chlorophyll, too. But look at any of them. Nowhere does the label state how much chlorophyll it contains. 
Why, you're right. Now, look at the ENDS label. It states very clearly that ENDS contain 100 milligrams of Daritol chlorophyll, a fully effective dose. That's why only one or two ENDS tablets a day stop triple O. Stop all three odor offenses all day long. O, O, O. Guard against triple O. But don't expect such long-lasting results against triple O from cheaper chewing gum or candy substitutes that contain so little chlorophyll. Ends are so effective because they start acting instantly inside the body where odors begin. So for pennies a day, you get ends longer-lasting protection. They're pleasant-tasting and safe as any garden vegetable. Get E-N-N-D-S, ends chlorophyll tablets, and be sure you stop triple O. Trial size only 49 cents at drug counters everywhere. Larger sizes even more economical. That commercial for ENDS chlorophyll tablets is from the February 10th, 1952 broadcast of My Friend Irma. The episode was titled Dictation System. I have to tell you, I had never heard of ENDS prior to hearing this commercial, and I was quite surprised to find that it's still being manufactured. It's made by the Oakhurst Company in Levittown, New York. Each tablet still contains the proprietary Daritol chlorophyll, which is just a trade name for sodium copper chlorophyllin, which is a common form of stabilized chlorophyll. Oakhurst specializes in selling old-time remedies, some going back to the 1800s. While their bottles appear to be plastic, they still maintain the old graphics and package designs of the original products. While certainly not a recommendation of their products, you should take a look at their website to see what I'm referring to. It is quite interesting. It is oakhurst-medicine.com. That's oakhurst, O-A-K-H-U-R-S-T-medicine.com. And now for a few totally useless yet totally true tidbits from history. It's time for it to call News of the Weird Past. And our first story is dated August 16th of 1933. And that's where it's reported that 17-year-old Jean Chesterton was shot dead by a machine gun while she was out rowing a boat with her sister off of Leyden Beach in Kent, England. The two women were about a quarter mile from shore and they had been searching for a ball that had floated out. Suddenly, five planes from the British military appeared overhead and started shooting at their targets, which were simply a string of buoys. One of the gunners mistook the girls in the boat for a buoy and killed Jean instantly. Very, very sad story. Our second story took place on May 11th of 1954, which reported that three Cleveland, Ohio boys really did find gold in the sewer. John Schott, age 11, Billy Dempel, age 8, and John Cooper, age 12, were playing and they saw their ball roll down through a grating into the catch basin below. Of course, being boys, they crawled into the catch basin to get their ball back. And that's where they spotted 13 $20 U.S. gold coins. Gold coins. They dug deeper into the mud and they found even more. All of their excitement alerted some older boys who came by and snatched all but four of the coins that John shot, you know, clutched tightly in his hand. The four coins that remained were dated between 1860 and 1889 and were sold to a collector for $36 each. 
Word on the street was that the boys that snatched the remaining coins didn't get away so lucky. They gave some away thinking they were phony, and others, again thinking they were phony, threw them off of a bridge. It was never determined how the coins wound up in the sewer in the first place, but what a lucky find. And our last story is dated March 4th of 1969, which reported that a 62-year-old resident of Portsmouth, Virginia named Charles F. Burroughs had gone to the police to tell them, get this, that his seven-room house had been stolen. All that remained of his home were some bricks from the former chimney and some garbage. The police quickly solved the mystery of the vanishing house. It turns out that uh, Burroughs rented this house and no one had lived there in a while and it was close to collapse. So the building inspector had it condemned. It was torn down a week earlier. And now for the answer to today's question of the day. And I had asked you which mathematical symbol Robert Record used for the first time back in 1557. And your choices were one, the equal sign, two, the plus sign for addition, three, the minus sign for subtraction, four, the cross or X for multiplication, or five, the obelisk, that's the line with a dot above and below for the division symbol. Well, the answer is the first one, the equal sign. Robert Record was a Welsh physician and mathematician, and in an attempt to make math more accessible to the general public, he wrote all of his books in English using clear and simple expressions. His 1557 book, The Whetstone of Witty, uh, was the first to ever use the equal symbol because it was, he said, quote, to avoid the tedious repetition of these words, is equal to. I will set a pair of parallel lines, thus equals, that's the equal symbol, because no two things can be more equal. And of course, we've been using it ever since. Now, record is usually credited with introducing the plus and the minus signs also, but they've been previously published in 1518 in a book written by Henricus Grammatus. Uh, the X, the cross, was introduced in 1631 by William Eatred, uh, who also, for those of you who are old enough to remember this, he invented the slide rule. That's pre-calculator uh, times. And lastly, the obelisk as a division symbol was the last to be introduced, and that was by uh, Johann Rahn in 1659. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— we answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
I hope you enjoyed today's story on the dead ringers. I apologize for mispronouncing a few words as I went through. I've been suffering from a really bad cold, one of the worst ones I've had in years. Uh, In fact, last Thursday, I took a day off from work. That's only the fourth time I've called in sick to my teaching job in 23 years. Anyway, uh, I am doing better, and if you'd like to read more true stories just like these, please be sure to get a copy of one of my books. They're Einstein's Refrigerator and Lindbergh's Artificial Heart. Both are written by me, Steve Silverman, and they're available from your local bookseller, online, and from your local library. Additional resources, some of the documents I used uh, to research this, can be found on my Facebook page. That's at www.facebook.com slash useless information podcast. That's all one word, useless information podcast. As always, you can go to my website, that's uselessinformation.org, and you can email me at useless at steve.silverman.name. Anyway, uh, I thank you very much for listening, and I hope you'll tune in the next time. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.